Thank you. Morning, everybody. Um, great. So I'm going to just try and get myself slightly organised, uh, which is always a good thing. Okay. So um, uh, just uh, want to, uh, I guess, dive right in. We're looking at Acts 15 uh, today, and um, it's just um, just to remember that throughout this book, Luke is directing us to ask ourselves two questions. What is Jesus doing in this situation and what is Jesus teaching through these events? Because the Gospel of Luke was about what Jesus began to do and teach and the book of Acts is about what Jesus continued to do and teach. Um, it's worth realizing that there are, there are many, many kind of hundreds and probably thousands of books all about church history and there is in fact only one that is 100% inspired by the Holy Spirit and that's the book of Acts. So it's a, it's a pretty cool book. Uh, every other book of church history is a bit of a mixture of stuff that's probably spot on and stuff that might be not quite right. But um, we can trust the word of God. It's 100% inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, oops, and it's about this extraordinary, remarkable, supernatural spread of the gospel of grace from the center of the, the then religious world to the absolute heart of the Roman Empire, to the, the, the heart of the super city, you might say, um, of its time. And... Um, uh, it was absolutely uh, amazing. And in fact, it's also about, uh, the f I'm going to get that right one day, uh, it's also about the fact that even now, 2,000 years later, we can see that the effect of the gospel reaching into every part of the world and becoming a universal presence. Now, most uh, world faiths have uh, really, uh, really, really strongly anchored where they started. So if you look at, say, Hinduism or Buddhism in terms of what regions they started or from, and to some extent uh, Islam as well, uh, Jews, uh, again, although they've spread uh, around the world, there's a really, really strong uh, part in terms of the Middle East, and as, as you would expect, Middle East and North Africa. And Christianity, as you can see, that bar is just kind of evenly spread across all of the regions of the world. So something happened in the way that the gospel spread that meant that it wasn't anchored in one culture or centered in one culture with everyone else fitting around that. Actually, the gospel came and it liberated and it, and it's, and it's, and it, uh, there was a transformation about that. So it's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, and that's what we're finding out about really as we go through this uh, this book um, so just to locate us if you remember this is where we are in the structure of the book we talked about this first on that the first eight chapters of Acts is about the formation of the church how it was born how its presence uh, kind of was anchored in Jerusalem and then it it began to progress and they dealt with issues that related to equity within the community and that was a kind of uh, triggered really at the transitional phase where first of all persecution kind of uh, kind of pushed the ordinary believers to go out gossiping the gospel just talking about what God had done for them and that led to the church really spreading beyond Jerusalem and then an amazing point where where Saul who's who's going around trying to trying to exterminate the ch church God arrests him uh, Jesus says who who are you Lord I'm Jesus you're persecuting and it completely turns him around and uh, and then we have Peter's awakening when he um, he's uh, he kind of I guess a bit hungry whatever he kind of uh, falls into it says he falls into kind of like a trance or a vision has a vision of um, of a, a great sort of tablecloth coming down God says don't call unclean what I call clean and then there's a knock at the door and here comes uh, here comes uh, uh, representatives of a God-fearing uh, Gentile. And he, and, and, and he comes to his house and as Peter starts to speak, the Holy Spirit just falls on them even though they're not Jews. And, and Peter goes, ah, oh, I can see now what that vision was about. I didn't really understand it, but ah, oh, I can see what it was about. And, and then 
Um, we learn about the church really getting uh, established in a place called Antioch, and it becomes a really major, thriving center, really. Um, and uh, there's some stuff there about what Herod does as well. And and uh, we, we, we read in there a lot about Philip, who gets kind of, you know, taken to different places and just really shares the faith. We then kind of move into this proliferation sort of part of the book, which is really where we're in. And I guess it's worth saying that um, that second thing down there, the first, th- when you look at it, there's a real flow there. There's a, this team trip that goes all around the place and it comes back. And then there's another one. There's another, but in the middle of all that, there's this kind of thing that sticks out of it. Ugh. There's this kind of group council thing at Jerusalem. And it's like, oh, well, what's that doing there? Uh, it's sort of, it's quite abrupt, actually, a- after the end of team trip one, we get into this. So so it begs the question, isn't it? What on earth is that doing there? Why is that there? And, and what's going on? Well, um, I'm really going to learn it's the right hand one. Sorry. <laughs> um, this is um, this is what our topic is for this morning, which is about Acts 15. I don't know if you recognise this this sort of thing. I've become very familiar with these things since we moved to our new house in Half Moon Bay because I found out that if you've got the microwave going and you also happen to have the dishwasher on, and then like me, you put the kettle on, all of a sudden, all of them just stop. <laughs> and you go, oh, okay. The the sound just dies down, and initially, I. It takes me a while to realize, that, oh, okay. So I look into the cupboard, I reach up, and lo and behold, the circuit breaker is gone. And so you have to reset it, otherwise nothing's going to work. And um, that's actually what Acts 15 is all about. It's, it's about this. It's about how the power of the gospel blew the fuse of the early church and how their leadership community, with the help of the Holy Spirit, achieved a reset of that circuit breaker. That's really what it's all about. So... Three things we're going to think about this morning. What was it that blew the fuse? So what was the cause of the strife? Uh, and, and, and how did they exactly reset? So what was the resolution of that difference? And of course, well, why does it matter? You know, for us, you know, in Aotearoa, you know, 2,000 years later, w- you know, wh- why should that uh, affect us? And, and what difference does it have? What do we take from that? So, so that's what we're going to do. So what was the cause of the strife? What was the resolution of the difference? And what is the rev- relevance for our lives? Okay. So what blew the fuse then? So uh, if you've got a Bible and you've got it open in Acts 15, feel free to read along or dip into it. If you don't, it's not, not a problem. It's going to be up on the screen. Normally I'd read, but there isn't a screen there, so I have to turn. Read. So, so, uh, so this is the first bit, the first bit of Acts 15. So certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And uh, I guess the first thing to, to note from that is, um, so what blew the fuse? Well, there was conflict actually. They were gathered together and someone was speaking and Paul and Barnabas said, oh, hang on. Actually, no, that, that, that's not right. And uh, I, I don't know how you feel about that as a, as a British person. I find, uh, I find public confrontation very, very difficult to deal with. Uh, so, oh, oh no, oh, kind of want to sink into the ground. Um, so, and, and I don't know whether, I, I, I don't know whether that's, that's true for you as well. Um, but there is clearly a conflict, right? Now, it's fair to say that visi- receiving visiting teachers is a really key feature of the early church, right? They were really fluid and they moved around and there was a real blessing in that. If you think about it, all the stuff that led to Antioch being built into this amazing international sending base, really a, a key part of that was that when I think it was the church in Jerusalem said, said to Paul, said to Barnabas and Paul, 
go up to Antioch and, 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 and go and strengthen them there. And they got there and they really became connected and their relationships built and they made that their base and they kind of stayed there. And so that was a real example that there was this real blessing actually of receiving in from outside. Um, so it wasn't a bad thing at all. And it, it was a very sort of fluid thing. So, But in this case, clearly, it led to a quite tricky situation with a conflict going on. So, so what's the issue? Well, um, here's the thing. This is not going to be the last time this particular issue is going to surface. So the general thing, which is that there might be some teaching circulating that needs correcting, is something that if you read through the letters, you'll find you know, this wasn't a one-off event. It happened uh, from time to time, and it needed dealing with. Um, so that general point that there might be some teaching around that actually needs a bit of correction is true. But also, the very specific thing here, which is you need to be circumcised in order to be saved, uh, also will kind of come back as you look through the page of the New Testament because it turns out that the factual group of people who believe this were not really going to accept any correction about it. They kind of still got to hold on to what they thought uh, in any case. So so what's going on? What What is the issue? Well, of course, there's the central theological issue. You know, do you need to be circumcised to be saved? It's a question to clarify, absolutely, uh, given the law was there, the law of Moses. and uh, um, But, but um, I was trying to think about, like, th th it's not just a theological issue. Okay, There's something more going on with that. Now, I, I reached into my wallet uh, last night to pull these out and just kind of bring them and just kind of flash these to you because they might be recognizable to some degree you know i've got my smiles card i've got my one card i've got my new world card whatever you've got a, you know probably got a few of those in your wallet right um one of my favorites that i had when i was in the uk was uh, i had an accord card and an accord is a group of hotels and um when uh, for my job i used to have to stay down in london quite a bit and um accord like like air new zealand lots of these other kind of things have tiered membership so you can be bronze, or you can be silver, it can be gold. Or if you stay there an awful lot, like I ended up doing probably for a long time, you know, you kind of get platinum status. And, you know, you, well, you know, if you're platinum, you automatically get a room upgrade. You always get the nice rooms. And actually, when you arrive, they say, oh, hello, sir. Hello, there's a welcome drink on the side for you if you arrive. Oh, lovely. that's lovely. Fantastic. Thank you. You feel pretty special, right? That's really good. It's good. You know, it's kind of what people respond to because they're hoping that you'll book with them because you, they treat you well because they realize you know, you're a frequent customer. But the point is it's the tiered membership thing. And, and actually, um, the thing is, being a Gentile and connecting with, with uh, Judaism, if you like, with, with people of Israel, wasn't a new thing. But it was a little bit like that sort of tiered membership card in that... Um, uh, there were kind of you know two statuses that Gentiles might have in the Old Testament that you know, you could you could be sort of what they would say is you you might people believe that you might be saved, but that might not mean that you're actually one of God's people. So you could you know you were kind of you would be in the outer area if you like kind of associate associate member status you might say bronze tier maybe, um, you know and 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 what it was commonly believed actually that 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 God-fearing Gentiles could be saved by keeping what they thought were seven universal laws that had been for mankind, that had been, they kind of stitched them together from some things that God had said to Noah and some things that God had said to Adam and kind of thought, okay, well, you know, you know, the, all these people from different places, they haven't got the whole, they haven't got the, the Torah, the whole law, but, well, you know what, maybe if they keep those sort of seven commandments there, then, you know, you can be part of that. But, but if you want to go up to the platinum membership, right, 
you're going to need to be circumcised, you're going to need to be baptized, and you're going to need to follow the whole Torah, the whole law of Moses. So it was sort of you can be on the fringe or you can be at the heart of it. And that's that and that was sort of open and, and, and so and yet the gospel's coming and all of a sudden, you know, Gentiles are you know, saved in exactly the same way. We all come to faith by uh, deciding to turn away from our own way, trusting what Jesus has done for us and his sacrifice for us on the cross. And then amazingly, God gives us new birth through our repentance of faith. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We perhaps get baptized in water to do that. And then, you know what? There is no difference. It doesn't really matter where you started from. If you come in through that, that gateway into faith in your journey, then, you know, you are 100% a child of God, just like anybody, whatever their background. So, um, there is a social dynamic then because Gentiles are now being added by great numbers and they're becoming the majority and they're not being added to the associate tier at all in the way that Jewish Christians might be used to. A few Gentiles hang around the edges, but we're at the center. Um, a couple of other things to remember actually about this tricky time for these people who are saying, oh, you know, you must, you must, you must be circumcised and, and to get, you know, to, to be, to be saved is, um, Remember, they don't have the written New Testament yet, so it's, you kind of think it's easy to forget that. But, you know, the, the stuff that, for instance, sets out how Christ is the end of the law, or the stuff in Hebrews that talks about how the old covenant's like a shadow, and the new covenant's like the, like the substance. And there are some pretty practical issues as well, right? Because if you're a Jewish Christian who, who believe you need to maintain your practice under the law, how do you sit at the table with somebody who is ritually unclean? How do you do that? And yet, when you come to church, we come to church, we're going to break bread together. That means, sure, means communion, also means having a meal together. It's just what they did. How could you eat food that they prepared? Because under the law, eh, it might be unclean. So, if you're Jewish, you might formerly be very confident how this stuff worked when you gather and meet for worship. But now you're kind of, you're kind of unsure. You're the uncertain one. And all these Gentiles just seem to be having a way of a time because they've got no background. And they're kind of cracking on. Oh, this is fantastic. You'll go, is it? Yeah. Is this right? Am I doing the right thing? So it was a real social tension going on. Um, so, but, but make no mistake, it was a circuit breaker because if the church couldn't really get past this, we know, don't we? Jesus said, a house divided against itself will not stand. So how did they reset when the fuse blew we're gonna have a look at it so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a speed read now because there's quite a bit here um but uh, hopefully we can kind of uh, take it in and then we'll just talk about some key things that jump out of it so uh so how uh, look at that almost fits on the screen <laughs> i'm gonna bring it up to it here so if you can if you can, if you can read it on there then great um so let me start off um actually it's not I think I might have these in the wrong order, which would be even fantastic, even more fantastic. No, no, yeah, okay. I just I'll read this first bit. Uh, so, remember, uh, they've come into conflict and uh, they've been in sharp dispute. So the next thing that happens is it says, so, so Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with the other believers to go up to Jerusalem, see the apostles and elders, note both, about this question. The church sent them on their way. So Paul, Barnabas, and some other believers, they go. It's a little group the church sent them on the way as they traveled through phoenicia and uh and samaria they told how the gentiles had been converted this news made all the believers very glad and when they came to jerusalem they were welcomed by the church the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything that god had done through them 
Then some of the believers who belonged to the party, the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Okay, next slide. The apostles and elders met to consider this question, and after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the, on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is, by, it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from among the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this. As it is written, after this I will return and rebuild that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, the meat of strangled animals and blood. For the law of Moses has been preached everywhere in every city from the earliest times, and it's read in the synagogue on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. And with them, they sent the following letter. Here's a letter. Apostles and elders, your brothers. To the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who've risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we're writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You'll do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it, and they were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who'd sent them. And Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others preached the word of the Lord. So, well done, by the way. That's a long passage. Uh, but it's, you, get the, you get the sweep of what's happening it, it, sometimes when you read scripture in a big chunk like that. So, so how did they reset then? Well, a few things, probably four key things, really. First thing is they faced up. Like when that conflict happened, you know, what they didn't do, they disputed. They had a, 
we had an open disagreement. And then they did something about it without the de delay. They they said, okay, right, well, Paul Barnabas and, and, and some other guys, we're going to send you send you off to, to go and, and, and talk to the church in Jerusalem. So they, so they faced up to it. The second thing is they, they kept connected, right? They didn't become estranged from it. They could easily have said, ah, you know, you guys, get out. We don't like what you're saying. We're just going to be. We're just going to be. We're just going to be the, the church at Antioch. Thank you very much. We'll shut our doors to to those people from outside. We'll just be us, and we'll be doctrinally pure and stick with our, our little thing. You know, like we'll be you'll be open vineyard, and we won't connect with anybody else. Thank you very much. Yeah, we can't trust anybody coming. They might say something we don't agree with. I wouldn't like that. Um, so, but they didn't do that, did they? They kept connected. And um, the third thing that really strikes me about the whole passage and what they do, right? It, it's there is just testimony. There is report after report. This is what God's been doing. Peter's like, this is what God. When I when I saw that vision, I went to see Cornelius. This is this is what God did. Paul and Barnabas again. Let me tell you, this is what God did. Even as though, even as though, before they even got to the meeting, where they're walking down, they're staying the place along the way. Hey, let me tell you what God's up to. God's doing this amazing thing among the Gentiles. You know, they they're, they're being saved. They're being healed. They're sharing their their stuff. They're kind of getting on. They're living life, and it's amazing. And and the believers, all the believers in Judea and all the Jewish believers, like they're just knock their socks off. God's doing this stuff, and and that telling the story about what God's up to and what God's doing is something we we need to do a lot more of actually than we do, uh, because actually God's in it. And God does stuff through it, and that was a key part of it. But also, ultimately, they 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 uh, they had a corridor about it. They they chewed it over together. As a leadership community, Paul Barnabas and the other guys joined with the apostles and elders, and um, and they worked it through. This is this is how they kind of worked through the copapa, that the kind of thing they wanted to to grapple with. They, um, you know, they welcomed each other. They connected as first of all as 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 brothers and sisters, as family. They connected first, and then they heard with the story with respect about what God is up to. Um, and then, in fact, those with a very contrary view to what they were saying had their say. They got to make their case. And it was that uh, the Gentiles should be required to be circumcised and to obey the law of Moses. So it kind of uncovered what they were really thinking by giving them a chance to air what they were thinking. And that was okay. And then, uh, and then Peter shares, doesn't he? And, uh, and he, again, shares his story about what God has done. But then that also leads him to say, you know what? This is this is how I s this is what that leads me to both in terms of reason and what I know about theology. So it brings me to an understanding of the truth that is that is supporting you. We haven't been able to bear the burden of all those laws for all those all those hundreds and hundreds of years. Why would we put it on them? Doesn't square with the fact that the Holy Spirit came on them just like He came on us. Doesn't square with what we've seen God doing. So so what we deduce from that is, you know what the theology is. It's by the grace of Jesus that you're saved, and so he he kind of links all that together, and it's really um, he really makes a, a clear case. But then um, Paul and Barnabas share again about all the miracles that God's been doing amongst the Gentiles, uh, both in Antioch and on their travels. And and um, one of the translations said, you know, by the end of it, you could hear a pin drop because they were together and they're wrestling with this tricky thing. It was like, yeah, but. But look what God's doing. Yeah, look what God's doing. And maybe some hearts who thought differently were sort of softened by hearing, yeah, they heard the Peter made a really good theological point, rational, clear, but it was also linked to what God's up to. And and, and the more they heard, the more 
actually those who might have been fractious and thought differently just became become and silent and there was a there was a holy silence that came on them it was as we were singing this morning you might say a bit of a, a thin place by that point heaven and earth close and um and then uh another of the another of the uh the apostles uh, leading in the church in Jerusalem, and he, and he says, and and the point is that they kind of they reach a conclusion and they take some action. So, so first of all, he he connects, you know, he he affirms Peter's testimony and his the scriptures, and then he says, that, so therefore, I, here's my judgment. So he exercises some judgment, um, and then he proposes something pretty pastoral and pretty practical, um, and then what happens after that is that uh, let me see, I forgot it, yeah. Um, what it happens after that is that they not only do they do that they they choose they they take it back to the whole church and then they choose Jesus and Silas and they go to take that message back to the Antioch believers um now listen this passage right is in fact probably the most controversial part of the book of acts it has been over the centuries because um uh, because some people did describe what was said about you know you know don't don't get involved in sexual immorality. Look look out. Don't get involved in foods sacrificed to idols and blood and all that kind of stuff. And see, as that just kind of sounds like a bit of a compromise, really, because it was like, well, are you saved by grace, or do you have to obey the whole law? Eh, maybe just have to obey a few of the laws. You know, kind of let's meet in the middle somewhere. And and it sort of sounds like it it, it might be that. But but I wonder if you can just look again at the letter. Let me go back to this. Um, real interesting. So the. Uh, it's it's really interesting what they do uh, with this letter. They say, look, they explain the other teachers weren't sent by Jerusalem, so it wasn't like, you know, one church telling another church what to do. They didn't come with their authority. They acknowledge the pain and the distress, actually, that having teaching that causes that conflict causes, and it does, you know, it's, it's not easy, actually, and they acknowledge that, which is really great. They commend Paul and Barnabas. They say, you know, they are great. You know, we commend them to you as leaders, godly leaders. We, we, honor, we, we honor and we, we recognize them. And then they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You know, we've, we've nutted this thing through together and we've also been open to the Spirit. Not to burden you with anything except to abstain from four things. Not as a condition of salvation. It doesn't say you've got to do those things, otherwise you won't be saved. It's, it, he finishes with, do you know what? You'll do well to avoid these things. You know, you, you, it, it'd be a good, good idea, you know. So, so this is not like... Yeah, the response is not like. Let me clarify: you won't be sa- you won't be saved unless you you know if you eat any any any, any you know any any food or whatever you won't be saved. It doesn't say that. It just says it, you'd do well. It'd be really good. Um, I love how the message puts it. Right? It says it seemed to the Holy Spirit to us that you should not be saddled with any crushing burden, but be responsible only for these bare necessities. Be careful not to get involved in activities connected with idols. Avoid serving food offensive to Jewish Christians. Blood, for instance and guard the morality of sex and marriage. These guidelines are sufficient to keep relations congenial between us. That's a great way of putting it. Because, um, you see, it's not the whole law of Moses, nor is it those seven uh, universal commandments given to Adam and Noah that some of the the the, uh, the Jews would have thought, oh, yeah, he's pivoting, oh, he's, he's giving them a seven. He doesn't do that. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a few things in there, but it's not those seven. It's simply to choose not to do the most culturally inflammatory things that are literally repulsive to Jews, possibly out of appreciation that, do you know what? This is actually quite a big adjustment for these guys. So you, maybe, you know, there's no conditions on, on salvation. You're saved by grace. If you turn to Jesus and trust him, you're saved through grace. But do you know what? 
Maybe be gracious and merciful and drop some of the former hallmarks of your old culture for the sake of harmony, not salvation. James is thinking about also about not, he says, and you know what, um, you know, Moses has been preaching every, every, every city. So maybe if you're, if you're, if you drop those things that would be abrasive to people, given that there are Jews in all of these cities who've, who've been steeped in the law of Moses, these things are going to be detestable to them too. So maybe don't create a massive barrier for people to find Jesus by the way that you live. And that's a, that's a really good, so you know, it, it, I guess it would be the equivalent, you know, if you were maybe writing to, you know, a church that was meeting in, say, Mecca or something like that, you'd say, you know what, sure, you know, wear whatever, you know, you're free to wear whatever you like, but but probably, you know, uh, you know, maybe not with the, with the, with the budgie shorts and the bikinis when you're meeting, you know, maybe, maybe dress in a certain way, because actually it might be, it might be a barrier for people who otherwise will find Jesus. So, so maybe just don't exercise that, that freedom that you might have. But it wasn't like, well, if you wear a bikini, you can't be saved. It wasn't like that. It was like, do you know what? You need to live in a way that means that you can connect with these people who desperately need Jesus as well. So he speaks both to the theology and to that social dimension, you know. Uh, uncompromisingly, no, you don't. You don't need to obey the law. But also, adjustments are being made, and it isn't always easy. So maybe love and prefer one another to your own freedom, which is a great um, counsel. Uh, so I love that. So finally then, why does it matter? Uh, yeah, I'm going the right way, excellent. So why does it matter? You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to read all this stuff, but I just want to make a couple of final points on this. Um, what was it that caused the Jesus, the messages to become that dominant belief that really spread across all the cultures in the known world from a few dozen largely uneducated people in one generation? Well, one thing you can do is you can pick out, you know, Luke has these things, these cameos. There's three big cameos in the book of Luke, which I love. Yeah, the clue to them, you'll see this phrase, all the believers. And then it talks about what it was like in the early church. It's fab. Uh, all those amazing things. If you go, just a quick scan of that, what they were doing, selling their possessions, miracles, wonders, whatever. Great. And you might think it's that. Um, and, and for sure, uh, the remarkable community, I'm sure, was a factor, right? But also, Luke sums up throughout his book seven times what the whole thrust of it is. And it, it, what he's focusing on is, you know, the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom, and the growth of the church all together. And so he talks a bit, and then he goes into a little, it's like the narrator pops up and says, you'll note, reader, and then you carry on. So so the first thing was, you know, you, you'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my witnesses. What was the trigger for that? Anybody? Risen Jesus talking to them, promising the Holy Spirit. Get that. What about the second one? So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem uh, became. What what might have been the thing that caused that to be said? Oh, it was. It was. It was organising the church so nobody was overlooked in the food distribution. You might say, getting the rotors sorted out, so that you know people weren't 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 left doing stuff that and, and that actually everybody could feel welcome and blessed and cared for and refreshed and nourished. This all sort of out. It's very practical. And and amazingly, after that, remember that was what they did. They put Stephen, and 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 look, there was there was something beyond that as well. There was a, there was an equity dimension to that. It was certain types of people who were being missed out, and that isn't what it should be like in the church. So so actually, when they dealt with the equity issue, when they did something very practical, the word of God spread, and the, and the numbers decided. So that's interesting. Isn't it? It's not what you might have expected. Similarly, uh, what about the third one? Anyone any ideas? The next one along. 
Next one along, probably a bit more might expect, but is when Paul turns from persecutor to preacher and Barnabas opens up the way that he'll be accepted by the Jerusalem church. And then he, he goes and he preaches there for a bit and uh, they smuggle him out because the Jews get really angry about what he's saying. And then it says, do you know what? Then the church enjoyed this amazing time of peace. So it was something quite different again. What about the fourth one then down there? Uh, but the word of God continued to spread and, and flourish. What did that happen just after? Persecution, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was specifically, it was about um, Herod jails Peter. God frees Peter from jail. Uh, and then Herod uh, is quite happy to accept idolatrous acclamation and God basically strikes him down dead. And then said, but the word of God spread. So that's pretty powerful, amazing stuff happening in the political realms, uh, which is fine. What about this fifth one? So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. I'll give you a clue. No, I'll just tell you. Is this. Straight after that passage we read, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So that corridor about the conflict working it through as a leadership community in a wise and godly way taking it back into the church making that relationship connection and, and you know back with the, the church in Antioch again that was the reset and it and it led to Luke writing this the narrator pops up that was the reset that the, the gospel was on its way again in power we often tend to think about amazing moments in church history as like the power evangelist, the big high, high flying stuff, or maybe the outpouring of love and generosity. And of course it was that, but it was also the resolution of issues, whether they were practical issues, whether they were theological issues. So, so simply for us, three things to take away. Firstly, let's stay connected. We're not going to close ourselves off from the body of Christ. Everything that is healthy is part of something larger. We here at Urban Vineyard, we're part of something larger. We receive people from other places. We are blessed by that. We connect with other stuff that's going on beyond ourselves. Because, you know what, it might throw up some challenges, and that's okay. We can, we know that, you know, we can handle together any of those challenges. And uh, the blessing that we get from that is going to be really huge. So we can stay connected. Secondly, my advice to you is to pan for gold. Every time there's somebody up in this, in this spot talking to you, recognize that... Um, Sure, there can be some real nuggets of gold in there, but there might also be some dross and some stuff to just throw away. And that might be a bit messy, but, uh, you know, you need to need to recognize that. Um, interestingly, I think there are times when conflict can feel scary, particularly if, you know, what someone says is not quite right. But sometimes the absence of conflict would be more scary if we just went with the flow and overrode what's fundamental to our beliefs. And we're not going to do that. Um, we hope that we're going to be gentle and respectful in the way we correct uh, what, correct uh, when things happen like that. But, um, you know, I think there's a there's a great proverb that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And uh, I think this is a, being in a church where, you know, actually someone can say, do you know what, I need to talk to you about that. I don't think that was quite right. That's the kind of church we want to be. And um, and uh, so, so let's pan for gold and realize that the only 100% inspired with the Holy Spirit person is the holy spirit and the rest of us are fallen people who really try hard. so we're gonna do it but the third thing is we can be confident right we don't need to worry we've got this model we can see it in the book of acts that you know if if, if something significant comes along whether it's from within the people who teach you or someone comes from outside we'll be all right we can weigh that teaching to be faithful to the gospel of grace of our lord jesus christ we'll grapple with those tricky issues and in the fundamentals we're not going to bend 
Each of us is able to do that. Um, we can do that individually, but also we've got a leadership community, we've got a teacher's group, and part of their job is to weigh stuff and to, and to think, hey, I've seen something. Right, let's nut, let's nut it through, let's walk it through, and maybe walk some things back if we've got that. You know, if something's come across and it's maybe, it maybe kind of it's out of balance or it's gone out of context or it, it isn't really what the scripture is really saying, but it, you know, it was a good talk, but it wasn't quite right to the scripture. Then, you know, we'll do that. And, and I guess from a personal perspective, I've, I've, I've known that as part of a church in a place called Basingstoke in the UK. And there were a couple of times when, you know, the, it was like the, the, the next meeting, the next big meeting a month later, they got, they got up and said, look, you just need to know, We've as a group of teachers just weighed some of what was said last time. We just want to just correct that a little bit. Let me just kind of give you a bit of extra context from this scripture here. Just need to make sure you realize it was not quite, it, it didn't quite land right. And that's okay. We can such a blessing to know that that was going to happen. And that actually, sure, I could, I, could, I could discern for myself. But also, as a community, there was some safeguards and some extra safety net going on there to help with that. And that's part of actually what the job is. If you're called into that leadership community or called as part of the teachers group, it's sure it's to bring the teachers, but it's also to be able to weigh because it's part of the gift that God's given to be able to do that. So it's great. It's a great model. And um, I guess just want to finish with this. Isn't it great to know, and I'm not talking here about you know individual leaders or urban, but I'm talking about for all of us in the church, whichever church you're part of, isn't it great to know we're in good hands? We're in his hands. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So um, why don't we just stand together? And uh, I don't know whether Matt, Matt and the Matthew and the guys want to come up. Um, so thought it might be good just for us to open our hearts to God at this point and um, maybe you need someone to pray for you uh, maybe you're fa facing a challenging situation where you have to go against the flow um, 